be familiar with the quote by Anais Nin, the author. She says, And the day came when the risk it took to remain tight inside the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I want to share something else that she wrote. Nin says, It takes courage to push yourself to places that you have never been before, to test your limits, and to break through barriers. And this week's podcast is all about the emotional cycle of change. Welcome to The Modern Creative Woman, exploring the art and science of creativity. I'm your hostess and creativity expert, Dr. Amy Bacos. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful friends. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern Creative Woman podcast. We are continuing our conversation all about change. And this week's episode about the emotional cycle of change highlights how we grow, change, slip back, relapse, and either persist or quit. Have you ever had any of these thoughts about change? That change is hard or the work is too hard, you tried before but you couldn't do it. Maybe you thought it's just not worth all the effort to grow. You might say, I can't be consistent or I'm too scared to start. What if I fail? Here's a big one for a woman. What will people think? Maybe you're a person who doesn't like to do things when you're not really instantly good at it. The discomfort of learning is kind of too much. Now listen, if you've struggled with change, and I think we all have, we're in really good company. Our brains are hardwired to feel fear and a lot of discomfort when we even consider change. And our brains want to do the least amount of work possible. And they want us to stay safe. You know that phrase, better the devil you know than the devil you don't? That's a fear-based change thought. Sometimes our brains will tell us to quit. It's too hard. And quite often, that's exactly when the breakthrough comes and we're able to use optimism to keep us going. Well, the way I look at it, when we start to change, perhaps we're growing personally, we're considering making a big change, you can quit, just completely quit the change, discontinue changing, and I'll tell you that only happens when we die. We're always changing, whether we direct it or we are passively moved. Our second choice is we can just abandon a project forever. We can decide, all right, I'm done trying to write that book. I'm done. Never again. But then we change in other directions just because of abandoning the project. The third option I see is what a lot of us do, which is stop and start, stop and start. <laughs> Maybe we'll switch directions completely, try a new project, a new craft. Well, if I only get these better paints, maybe I'll try watercolor painting. And then your fourth option is to keep going, moving towards a goal and achieving without quitting regardless of how you feel. 
And I think the greatest example that you can think of in your own life around trying to change and not having been successful, if you unpack that, you'll find that there's a lot of fear-based thoughts there. We can have a lot of different emotional reactions to change. Sometimes it's exciting. We feel optimistic. Maybe we feel a lot of fear or pessimistic and uncertain. A lot of change includes kind of boring behaviors, habits, rituals that keep us going. Self-care is pretty non-exciting. It's things like putting ourselves to bed on time. It's being consistent with our exercise or our health strategies. It's kind of uninteresting, so we can get bored easily. We might be really happy, energetic, insecure. It might really bring out those thoughts of the I'm not good enough story, kind of that mean girl we have in our head. It can make us anxious and even to the point of kind of freezing up or becoming numb. We might get annoyed or even angry at ourselves and at other people when we're trying to change. I've talked to you before about the trans-theoretical model of change developed in the 70s. Well, the emotional cycle of change is another incredible model, also developed in the 70s. It's Kelly and Kano in 1979. They created a way of understanding what happens to us emotionally, and it applies to planned change. Now, this does not apply to unplanned change, where we might go through shock and denial, anger, fear. Hopefully later we get to acceptance and commitment. This is not about trauma change. This is about the kind of change that we want, that we plan for. And understanding this emotional cycle of change can really normalize the range of emotions that we go through when we're trying to change. If you're going on some kind of personal development or a health journey or whatever thing you're trying to do. It could be as specific as a goal of getting a degree. It could be a little more vague of I want to be more healthy. All of these planned changes, when they're not just a wish, you're actually taking action on them, can kind of fall into this emotional cycle of change. When we understand how we change emotionally, it can really keep us from going off the rails or taking our family and our relationships or our work life off the rails. And the cycle exists in all kinds of scenarios. And it might be kind of your early visions of what you want to do and the woman you want to be. It might be a move from one type of situation to another. It could be that you're getting married, going to school, having a baby, changing jobs. And it's also when you're learning or trying out new behaviors. And it's about being the person you want to be, moving towards your values. The emotional cycle of change, very curious, up and down, which I think resonates with me in all the changes that I make in my life. Stage one is uninformed optimism. 
we get real excited. We're like, yeah, that new paint's going to fix everything. That new outfit will make my wardrobe work. My friend makes money doing this, so I'm going to do it too. We're excited, but we don't really know what's happening. So it's called uninformed optimism. I'll go into more detail in a little bit. But then it gets hard. We start to learn what the challenges are. That's called informed pessimism. And then we go into the valley of despair. I love this dramatic language that the authors use. In the valley of despair, we can quit. We can start over. We can say, oh, well, that new material didn't change my art skill. Let me go try something else. Or that new style doesn't suit me. Let me go try something else. We just quit and start over and over and over. Also in this stage is an incredible window of opportunity where we can push through into success. And what that requires is informed optimism, where now we know what's being asked of us when we change, and we're excited about it. So let me dive into these stages around optimism and pessimism. Your uninformed optimism, you might get so excited, but your emotional response level is kind of low. Here's why. In this uninformed optimism, you're thinking about um, the action you want to take rather than doing thinking and planning. It's uninformed optimism because we start taking action right away and you may just be completely unaware of the difficulties that you could face along the way. And we just jump in. It might be considered bold to jump in, but it often leads to a really pessimistic spot. So I have a few tips. If you are in that place where you're so excited to make change and you jump right in, you're a person who doesn't want to plan, listen, capitalize on that excitement. Here's a couple ideas. You can make a treasure map and drop a list of the benefits that you really hope to achieve by taking on your next venture. Now, of course, I want to remind you about your why. Linking your enthusiasm for a new project to your values and your really big modern creative why. It allows you to establish your own trust and belief in your vision. And these are essential things to have because they'll motivate you later on when things get challenging. The next phase is informed pessimism and the valley of despair. Informed pessimism is when you start to feel some negative emotions about your project, especially when you hit problems. You're working out, but you're not seeing any changes. You started journaling, but you haven't really gotten any good insights. You might get really frustrated about some of the challenges. And if you've taken some larger steps, you might start to get really anxious about your ability to meet your goal. And here's where you might want to quit altogether. And it's at this point that many, many projects fail and people quit. It's often a time when people start to kind of check out on a project. And Kelly and Connor, the authors, noted 
that this can happen in two ways, publicly and privately. Now, publicly, you might voice criticism or point out some kinds of objection. You might complain to your friends. But privately, you really start to lose interest and you get ambivalent about the situation. Your enthusiasm is kind of dissipated and it gets harder to spot this kind of checking out because sometimes it can just be really subconscious. You simply feel like you're procrastinating or you don't have motivation anymore. So I have a couple tips about when we're in this informed pessimism, we realize how incredibly difficult our change is going to be and we might want to quit. So if you're procrastinating or you're feeling really negative at this point, you may be checking out and this is the time you want to go back and revisit your goals to make sure that they're still achievable, adjust them if you need to match it to some new information that you've gotten about your situation. Here's where you also need a mentor and a support network to help you deal with the challenges of self-sabotaging, negative and pessimistic thoughts, and those judgmental thoughts that can really creep in that tell us, well, you always give up. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Another thing you can do when you're facing this informed pessimism is to really start focusing on your journal. It's important to express all your fears and doubts and then begin to accept them. And writing them down can help us recognize, one, that they're normal. Two, that it's just natural to have negative thoughts. It does not mean we should stop. Just because you feel like quitting doesn't mean you should. I've worked with students who had made huge progress on a big project and then decided they would start over. They weren't interested in it anymore. And they really hit that point of pessimism. They realized that one topic was way too broad, but the next topic is going to be just as broad. And it'll be a cycle over and over of stop and start again. From here, we can move either into quitting altogether or we can push through. And I think it requires a bit of hopeful realism to get into that spot where we're informed and optimistic. I've told you this story before, but when I was in graduate school and wanted to quit, I just kept telling myself, I trust I had a good idea when I started. And I said that over and over again when I was confused, uncertain, facing how much work it was to become a doctor of psychology. Once you're able to kind of push past the doubt and you're able to talk yourself through it and not quit because you trusted you had a good idea, then your pessimism can start to decline a little bit. Now you might still feel anxious. You probably will if your vision's big enough, but you're more likely to be able to start solving problems because now you're familiar with the situation. You understand what is being asked of you to change. So when you want to think about how to move forward into optimism and having some hope, this is where you start creating fresh action plans. You might want to use project management tools, invest in a really good calendar. You want to be able to stay on top of what you're doing. Again, a mentor, a coach, a therapist is really important here. You can also look for ways to build habits that support the change that you've already made and are continuing to make. And it means really employing the evidence-based strategies of how to create lasting habits. 
pairing new habits with old habits, making sure that you're in the right location, that your environment supports you. There's a lot of research that writing down what you're working on can give you a huge boost in success. If, for example, you signed up for a new class, you would want to set aside regular times to read the material. You would want to put it in your calendar. Maybe ask friends or colleagues to check in with you, see how you're doing. Maybe even recruit a friend who's also changing. There's a lot of really great evidence that involving your community in the ways that you're changing can be incredibly helpful. When you've moved into that state of informed optimism, you can start to feel confident that you have made the right choice. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't feel doubt, but you can look at change that you're making with a little more experienced eyes and feel less anxious about the problems. Now, again, you might feel worried or concerned or even have thoughts of quitting, but you recognize that you're moving towards your bigger vision of your values. I have a couple tips for when you're in that spot around optimism and then struggling to stay there. I think affirmations are really, really important. We have to work on creating new thoughts for our brain. And you can leave a note by your bed with a few thoughts that you read right before bed and right when you wake up. Affirmations by themselves are not going to change us, but they're a huge support in getting us through pessimism into optimism. Another thing that you can do at this stage when you're starting to feel more confident is turn around and give a hand up to other people who are at earlier stages of the change process. And that might be that you become a study buddy for someone. Maybe you're helping someone younger than you in a class. Maybe you're helping a young person, a junior high or high school student. Maybe you become a mentor. You can also share your new information with just friends and colleagues. People want to hear when we're making cool change. And if they don't, you know that maybe they're not the right person to talk to. It's essential to have people that will support you. Now, sharing with others and kind of teaching them what you're doing helps you cement new information in your brain. And it also makes you a living example of what's possible in the world of change. You might inspire someone to embark on a similar change or feel brave enough to be themselves and take a risk that they're interested in. Now, I want to talk about completion. Now, nothing's really totally complete, but we, when we achieve our goal, we want to feel satisfied. And you might feel incredibly satisfied when you achieve a goal, but you might also feel that it's kind of anticlimactic when you realize that you've been working towards your goal and been seeing yourself as successful and confident and then you don't feel that excited about it at the end and I think that's totally normal so many people will feel anticlimactic when they graduate I remember when I graduated college my dad said about a month before now Amy it's fine if you want to do nothing for six months nothing's wrong with you if you just want to sit on the couch after work and you don't want to read a book, and you don't want to paint, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It's about resting, recuperating, and it might not feel so exciting to graduate as you think it will. It might not feel that like much of a zing, but 
that everyone's reaction is different. It might take you a little while to feel like you're ready to celebrate. When we reach our goals, our emotional reaction levels have kind of lowered and we've worked through all these problems along the way. At some point, you're going to want to celebrate. And I really want to encourage you to celebrate as much as you can along the way. It helps you and motivates you. But then maybe six months later, you're going to feel impressed with yourself. So I do have a couple suggestions for when you're at the completion stage or right before you're completing. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And you can do that by thanking people who supported you. You can send a card, an email, a little gift to someone who is your mentor. It's also really important to reflect on what went well and what you learned. And it's kind of like a project review. And it'll boost your confidence in the future when you recognize what you did to overcome that valley of despair and to keep going forward. It's important to pay really careful attention to those times that it felt most difficult and the strategies that you used. Something to think about is what emotional area of change are you in right now? If you can't think of anything right now, you can just kind of imagine where you've gotten stuck before. And those are the areas where you can see what you did and you didn't like, and you can start to plan for future success. Now, if you've tried something and been unsuccessful, or you've tried and quit and tried and quit, I want to encourage you to try again. Figure out why you want to make a particular change. Really understanding that modern creative why that's driving you, that's inspiring you. Make your plans, write out your treasure map, and you can try again. When I have a series of mistakes, I remind myself Thomas Edison made the light bulb a thousand times before it worked. One thousand light bulbs, he didn't give up. So I have a couple affirmations for you that I think are pretty powerful. And I love to do these affirmations three times. I say them three times. And it's all about I am. So here's your two affirmations. I am a woman who grows in the direction of my choosing. I am a woman who grows in the direction of my choosing. I'm a woman who grows in the direction of my choosing. Here's the next one. I am a woman who persists. I am a woman who persists. I am a woman who persists. Let me know what you think of those affirmations. I find them very powerful. So if you're thinking about this kind of work and creativity, and you really want to live your life around the art and science of creativity, I want to invite you to join the Modern Creative Woman. And honestly, it's the most unique creativity program that I've ever heard of. It's just so good. You learn a complete system to focus on three primary ways of creating. It's through your presence, your mindset, and your unique purpose. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Now that you know all this, what will you create? And do come join me and the Modern Creative Woman on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dr. Amy Backus. Have you gotten your copy of the five values of the Modern Creative Woman? Hop on over to www.moderncreativewoman.com and join our email list to get creativity delivered right into your inbox and you get a free copy of the aspirational principles that you need to live your modern creative life. Have a wonderful week and I cannot wait to talk to you in the next episode 
about the art and science of creativity. I'll see you next time.